Hello and welcome to another episode of The Brave Room. And I know I say this every week, but this is a very special episode. Before I introduce our guest, as always, leave a comment. Now, with me today, we have the lovely Ali Baker. Say hi. Hi! <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. So, for those of you not aware, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever talked about this. I have been a fan of yours for like a while. <laughs> Yay, I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, and you are partially responsible for this for this happening because I didn't do the whole video games thing until I started vlogging and I didn't start vlogging until I was watching you. I think it was like was it Taco Bell or In-N-Out? You you had a weird oh, vlog. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had a, an In-N-Out vlog. I was doing like this Life XP thing where I would just like, I wanted to try everything for the first time. And so I did like a tasting of like In-N-Out or, wait, what was it? It was Jack in the Box. It was Jack in the Box, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I remember back then, like my idea of vloggers was that, you know, they, they have these exciting lives. You know, it's you only vlog about how you rode on a fighter jet with a bunch of supermodels or whatever. <laughs> So not realistic at all. <laughs> so, are you telling me that's not true? <laughs> I thought that everything I read on the internet was true. What is this? <laughs> but yeah, so and I remember your your vlog about it. We were, as you were just like you essentially it was almost like an improv show because you were just going through this bag of of Jack in the Box, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that, I want to do I want to do that. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and now here we I'm are, so like, glad. more than a, like, about a decade later. That's so rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, I brought you on the show for more reasons than just to, like, date both ourselves with how long we've both been on the internet. <laughs> As listeners of the show may be familiar, life's kind of shit right now. <laughs> things, True facts. Things are pretty terrible. So, I brought Ali here because we are going to reminisce about the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Spe- Man, were they good. <laughs> Man, were they good. Spe- specifically because you used to work on a show called X-Play. I did. We are going to talk about that. <laughs> Hell yeah. And just in general, like, about the stuff that, that you know, went into making that. So for those for those of you, actually no, Ali, why don't, why don't you introduce X-Play to our very young audience who may not know what we're talking about? <laughs> well, hopefully y'all have heard of G4, and if you haven't, it was a channel that was specifically dedicated to video games and entertainment, kind of like Spike TV, but this was more so tech-focused. They actually had a show called Tech TV, as well as like internet-focused and video games-focused. And they had a show called X-Play that was basically video game tips and tricks for gamers. And that show actually inspired me when I was in college to produce my own kind of version of that and broadcast that on our school TV station. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I think it inspired a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you, okay, children in the audience, I, I need to explain <laughs> to you something. The term influencer did not exist back then. No, it was the wild, wild west of gaming. <laughs> yeah, this, this was pre-YouTube. 
essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea that you know TV was still fairly like I don't, I don't know how it was in the states, but in in Malaysia it was still fairly rigid. You know the idea was you they don't just let anyone on TV kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. so true. <laughs> so the the idea that you had these two these two hosts and you know they weren't in suits or anything and they're talking about video games of all things. Yeah, I mean that was mind blowing for me. I actually I found X-Play and Attack of the Show, both shows that are on G4 when I I failed out of college. <laughs> Fun fact about me. I failed out of college. I went initially for soccer. I had a soccer scholarship. But um I was doing the art program as well, which is what I really wanted to be doing, but doing those two things at once was way too much cuz I was taking like four hours of like foundation art classes a day and then on top of that was sandwiched with like waking up at like 5 a.m to lift and then going to practice at four and then at night i'd be like in my friends like dorm essentially playing resident evil 4 until like two in the morning so it was really no surprise that i <laughs> failed out but yeah, I actually discovered G4 when I was back at home and I was like at a kind of a crossroads in my life. I didn't know if I wanted to go back to school or what I wanted to focus on. And I found G4 and, you know, Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb were doing what I like loved. I was like, oh my God, here are these two people that have this innate passion for video games and they're sharing it with people who also enjoy that. That's a beautiful thing. Like, why 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 not me i could do this this would be fun <laughs> you know and i actually like re-enrolled in college that year and that's when i started focusing on television production and photography as my primary majors so i have them to thank for that <laughs> yeah definitely like i was i was actually re-watching some episodes of x-play at work the other day i always seem to find the exact same episode of x-play every time i like do a random google yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the Desert Storm one and the one that 13 is. The one where they looked at 13, the game. And nice. uh, my, <laughs> my favorite thing about it is, like, you know, even though they have complaints about games, there is a love there, you know? Yeah. I think that's something that I've always found, especially working in gaming and entertainment for the last 13 years, is you can't fake passion. Like you can try, you can really try and you can do a good job. But at the end of the day, gamers see that for what it is. And I think that was one of the things that really set G4 apart from the other networks is you could tell they were like legitimately having a blast, you know? And that this was something that they loved. I mean, Adam Sessler's Soapbox was something that inspired me because I was at the time studying art and critiquing art and my like fellow students were critiquing my art and I was like I'm so good at critiquing art like he's essentially doing the same thing with video games this is so cool like this is literally like this is what I've been training for you know like yeah <laughs> so just to see someone doing that and just be so passionate about it and like gung-ho it was super inspiring for me as a college student for sure yeah, so you were a writer on the show, right? I was not. I was actually an intern. <laughs> oh, you're in? So, like, could you talk us through what the life of Intern Alley was like then? Wow, they had us doing a lot of things. We actually worked alongside Attack of the Show as well, so we had a lot of PA responsibilities, but we also time-coded stuff as well. 
I mean, it really just depended on the day. Like there was one day that we had, I don't know if you guys remember planking, <laughs> but yeah. there was like a whole episode on planking and the interns just like went out on like, <laughs> like an adventure. And basically like we went around and like took pictures planking all, all around like the area. <laughs> for the episode. But honestly, the majority of my job, which was the coolest thing ever, was I was actually the person, if you saw a video game review on the channel, let's say it was a video game review of Bioshock, or they were explaining like or teasing something that was coming up that was related to Bioshock, the footage that you saw of gameplay, that was me. <laughs> so they just basically had interns capturing video game footage so there was that, and yeah. <laughs> I had a few like cameos, which was cool too, but it was so cool to like be like, hey, like that's me, that's me. Like I'm playing that game, man, like that's me, <laughs> you know? Fun bragging rights. <laughs> Definitely, and the best part is this was, again, this was pre-YouTube. So you didn't, yeah. you didn't have to go online and see like a bunch of people tell you you suck at Guilty Gear. <laughs> yeah, it's true, yeah completely completely different back then for sure yeah and like that was that was such a cool thing too because i wanted that internship so badly and it wasn't a paid internship but i was just like i can do this like i was working at gamestop at the time like i actually ended up going like door to door on campus with like pokeball cupcakes and nes controller brownies that i sold to people to raise funds. I raised like $500 through my bake sale, which I mean, my last name's Baker. So I was yeah, really- Yeah, the Ali Baker bake sale. <laughs> I was really leaning hard into that. But that, and then online I raised like about $500 too. So, I mean, this was my first time of just being like, holy crap, like the internet is beautiful. Like people want me to follow my dreams, what? So I don't know, that was, it was just such a huge thing. And I'm so grateful for that experience. Like. It didn't bother me at all that it wasn't paid because I was out there doing what I loved. Um, and it also led to like more opportunities for me too. Like that's uh, actually how I met Chris Hardwick and started doing the Indoor Kids podcast with Kamal Nanjasani. I think I, I ran into Chris Hardwick at E3. I was shadowing him that day, which was like so cool because it was kind of a look into the life that could be for me. And now like when I think back at that, I'm like, oh crap, like I'm him now almost. Like I was I was him in that situation, like, you know, do mostly hosting and game journalism stuff. So it's just cool. <laughs> I was so grateful for those experiences early on in my career. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think for a lot of people, like one, one thing they don't understand that sometimes it's not just about, I really, really like video games. You need that spark that realize that helps you like vent that feeling, you know? I guess the, the more accurate terms express that feeling. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's another thing that set G4 apart in my opinion was they really had a handle on the comedy aspect of um, all of it. And they really had fun with their, their sketches and their, and their skits. That was actually one of the things that drew me towards it. I was actually in a sketch called the Rising, the Rise of the Apes or something, <laughs> but they had me on there as an intern, and that was actually really fun. Just working with their whole team, like everyone was so cool. It was really fun. Like 
I don't know. It was like a total boys club, but like, I'm such a tomboy, you know? So like, I was like, this feels, this just feels normal, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it was awesome. Like, yeah, <laughs> those were the days, man. <laughs> Cause like, okay, if my boss asks, hey, hey Sean, thanks for listening to the podcast. Like, you know, we, we do try to keep it some level of professional here at, Ga- at Game of Braves, but also, especially with the video stuff, because I've, I've been doing more video stuff with the, with the company YouTube channel, and there is a want to have, like, to have more fun with it, you know? Yeah, I think it's, especially now, like, I mean, those times were different back then as well. Like, I mean, when I first started in gaming, I'll be real with you, like, there weren't many opportunities for women at all. And one of the reasons that I was able to make opportunity for myself was I actually read a book called uh, Game Over by a man called David Sheff. Yeah, or Shelf, Shelf. Yeah, in the book, he talks about the um, meteoric rise to power uh, that Nintendo had in the 90s with gaming consoles and um, just the success of the Game Boy. And in it, he describes that Nintendo actually loosely translated means make your own luck. And that has always stuck with me my entire career. I was like, oh my God, if Nintendo can do it, like, why can't I? And that's actually how I got my jobs working with Major League Gaming early on. That's how I got my job working with Rooster Teeth. I saw that they didn't have any female hosts working with Achievement Hunter. And I was like, hey, like I saw that you guys are going to be at E3. I'm at E3. Let's team up. Let's do something, you know? And because of that, I was able to like make my own opportunities. So I'm so grateful for like knowing that. And like, it's kind of like a fun fact too. Like um, Nintendo, make your own luck. That actually makes a lot of sense because they've been so successful in dominating the gaming industry so <laughs> yeah definitely also yeah I'm, I'm glad that you clarified on the on the e3 rooster teeth thing because i was just about to say i always assumed that they were filming their e3 thing and you literally just walked on set and was like i work here now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yo well you know you know how that is you see a camera you run into the frame and you just hope for the best <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta hope for the best. <laughs> Pretty much. I, Camera, there, running. <laughs> we, had, yeah. we had a local convention here a few years ago. And every year there was this one guy who would do a panel on Gundam. And I, <laughs> nice. I remember one year seeing his, seeing his panel. And I was like, he's a very nice guy. Lovely dude. And I thought, your panel's okay, but you need a shit heel. <laughs> Like, someone here needs to, like, instigate. And so the next year, when before the convention, I messaged him, like, hey, can I come on your panel? And so, nice. And he was like, eh, yeah, sure, why not? And it, w- it was the most fun ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so true. I mean, often in new industries, we have to make opportunities for ourselves. And, I mean, as a woman, early on, like, 10 years ago, 13 years ago, like, there just weren't... I mean, the Frag Dolls, I, I was a part of like the Frag Dolls program for a while. They were a Ubisoft's all-girl gaming squad that basically represented Ubisoft at events and demo games for the public. But I mean, aside from that, there just weren't really a lot of opportunities for women. You know, it was more so just, I like that. I want to do that. Let me make that happen. You know, <laughs> like p- pitching ideas, like 
emailing people and being like, hey, like, have you thought about, like, I see that you need coverage for this. Would you like? <laughs> have you considered you like me? me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait, so, yeah. So cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, as a continued monument to the fact that we are totally going to ignore anything happening in the present day right now. You, you, start, <laughs> you started streaming recently. I did, yeah. I look over because we're, we're friends on Discord, so I can see what you're streaming. And <laughs> you're streaming freaking 360 games. Uh, yeah, I am. So I think, I mean, it's kind of the same thing that we're doing right now. We're looking back quite fondly at nostalgia and saying, wow, I miss those days. <laughs> For me, getting back in touch with some of the games that changed my life and also I recently kind of have been dealing with a lot of like personal self-discovery and I've been unpacking trauma and so getting back in touch with older Allie has been kind of a joy for me. So I've been playing Alice Madness Returns, which the story is very heavily embedded in kind of like pharmaceutical culture and just psychiatry and brainwashing and all that stuff. And so it, it kind of, I related a lot to my own personal experience growing up and, and being diagnosed with ADHD and being put on meds at an early age, I think like second grade. And then I'm also playing through Lollipop Chainsaw, which is honestly, it's just a perfect game. It's actually co-written by James Gunn, who two years after he co-wrote the game, he it was announced that, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was coming out and he was directing it. And I was like, oh my God, I know that guy. You know, it's the like, Lollipop Chainsaw Man. Also, yeah. Also um, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> but it's just like, it's just a fun, like, beat em up comedy, like, just mashing buttons, like, so enjoyable. All the jokes are there. You can tell, like, the, not only is the style very similar to Guardians of the Galaxy, but the music is just so, it's such a throwback. And yeah, all the little like, I don't know, all the little like jokes too throughout the game. You can just, you can just tell, you know, and it's fun to go back and enjoy that and be like, oh crap, like playing that again and just being like, you know, I'm seeing like all of these influences kind of like mold together, you know? So being able to look at that again for a second time has just been, a total joy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I want to talk a bit about the 360 generation, or I guess in my case, it would be the PS3 generation. Yes. But the, like... Classic. I feel like games then were just a little bit more wild. Like, I feel like yeah. come the PS4 generation, there weren't nearly as many one-off games anymore. Everything had to be, like, part of the great big franchise. And, you yeah. know... PS5 generation, everything's just The Last of Us remake. It's either a sequel to The Last of Us <laughs> yeah. or a remake of a sequel to The Last of Us. Yeah, um, you mean you feel like there were more one-off games back then? Yeah, I think I think we need more one-off games. Yeah, I feel like it was a much more open market, and I feel like I feel like there's a lot of pressure that's put on like these AAA titles to keep turning out like massive profit. But at the end of the day, it's it's so much like hollywood when you look at movies it's like it's you know what's really great is that joke <clears throat> that god what is his name he made space balls but it's like all in the quest to make more money 
so you like come out with like the second gate like the second movie or the third movie and it's like oh okay like this isn't as good and it's i feel like it's kind of the same way with games in a way somehow they manage to do it sometimes i'll give them that but it's just hard to like remake content or redo content and expect it to be incredible you know yeah but yeah <laughs> I, also like the the wii the wii generation as well there was like just the amount of games that came out on the wii around that time wow <laughs> yeah no more heroes yeah so, some really good ones also the world uh, ends with you was on ds i think oh the That's world ends with you it's like <laughs> the third time i'm gonna talk about how great the world ends with you is <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for for the sequel to that, but yeah, <laughs> my my friend and I were playing it the other day, and I just lost it because the world ends with you has one of the earliest usages of the word meme. Yeah, old school throwback. Yeah, I'm quite the meme connoisseur myself, so it's like <laughs> respect the memes. <laughs> Actually, that was one of the things that I loved about G4 and Attack of the Show was they. Was it epic fail? They, they would just do a lot of stuff that was internet incorporated, which, hey, great band name, internet incorporated. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, I think that was just cool too, because the internet was like it was it was almost like the network like understood the demographic and they were like, okay, we get you, y'all are nerds, we are too, you know. And that was awesome. I was like, oh, it's like so, finally something for me. I feel seen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like Whereas like own. Spike TV was more like manly stuff. <laughs> We're doing man stuff today. And I was like, oh no, like this is more this is more my speed. <laughs> I feel like you almost couldn't do that for the nerds type of humor anymore because like ever since Big Bang Theory it's always been the how many titles can you drop in one sentence? Yeah, oh my god. Hey, is that big is that Star Wars McDonald's Thundercats? Ha 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 More like big cringe theory. Yeah, I yeah. can't watch that show. It's, it's honestly, it started out great. At first when it started, I was like, oh, cool. They're like doing this thing. Like it's like friends, but which I mean, eh. <laughs> it's like friends, but it's like with gaming and, and geek culture. That's cool. And then like, as the series progressed, you could tell that they just, the writers knew nothing about nerd culture. They were just trying really hard to get it in there. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's a disconnect with that. And, and I think that Hollywood is changing in a way where we're seeing more diversity, we're seeing more representation, and the content is great. Like, it's a direct reflection of that, which is so cool. Because, you know, people, the people that know the things you know that they're writing about are, are actually getting opportunities now so yeah man um, lego movies one of my favorite movies of all time yes i'm actually playing through uh i'm playing through like a million games right now but i'm playing through lego harry potter right now which has been really fun the lego series is actually one of my favorite couch co-op games to play with just like whoever so um, um thank you for bringing that up i would like to soapbox <laughs> for a solid 15 seconds here. Hey, Traveler's Tales, <laughs> remake Bionicle Heroes, please. Please. <laughs> but bring, bring the game back, please. I'm, pl I'm playing through it now, and like, this game would be great in modern day conditions. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> Give me what, the, what I want. Screw, screw the people, I want Bionicle Heroes. 
Dude, you know what was really great that I loved? And this is probably like, this is probably unpopular opinion and no one remembers this game, if I had to guess. But there was this game called Pokemon Trazi and it was kind yes. of like snood. It was like snood meets Pokemon. And it was so adorable. And I really, it was on DS, but it was so cute. <laughs> and I really want them to remake it for the Switch. So if anyone out there is listening right now, Please remake Pokemon Trazi. <laughs> Such yeah. a good game. <laughs> it's just a fun puzzle game. It's like, yeah, it's like if Puzzle, if Peggle and like Snood, just like every like puzzle game that you love. If if they had like a, a marriage with with Pokemon, beautiful. Mwah, love that. <laughs> Bring it back. I, I would say like the Pokemon version of any genre game is usually mm -hmm. really really good because it's dude, accessible. Dude, right? Dude, right? I had Pokemon Pinball growing up on the Game Boy with the Rumble Pack and everything and that game changed my life. <laughs> like seriously, that game is the reason why I became like a pinball fanatic IRL. Isn't it funny how like sometimes you like have an exposure to things backwards like i played pokemon pinball on my ds before i even ever played a real pinball machine but it, like it totally made me hooked dude like so fun <laughs> when do you think pokemon tetris is gonna come out i feel like that's oh that's gonna God. be that the world is not ready for pokemon tetris <laughs> i just the more collaborations that pokemon does like i'm so here all like i'm here for all of it like and I'm gonna be here for all of it. So, I saw that Pokemon was like teaming up with like Old Navy the other day or something, and I was like, "Oh, Old Navy, sign me up! Like, <laughs> I'm down. Let's do this." <laughs> so uh, I think the most life changing thing Pokemon did for me was I don't know if you know this game. It's called Pokken. I, I guess it's called Pokken Tournament or something like that. Anyway, uh, it's a, is it like Pokemon? Yeah, it's a Pokemon fighting game. So is that like Tekken meets Pokemon? Yeah, it's developed by the people the who made Tekken, here? yeah. No way! Oh my god, I have to look into this. <laughs> so anyways, like, I used to always like kind of like fighting games, but never got into them. And then yeah, I, I feel was, that. I was in, like, I just, there's too much to understand. And my friend was always there next to me being <laughs> like, no, no, trust me, you can get into this if you try. And I'm like, uh, too much. And so I, I was in Japan a few years ago. And I was at oh, a Pokemon wow. Center in Japan, and they had arcade machines with Pokemon on it. And I was like, haha, I want, I'm gonna play the Pokemon fighting game just to say that I did. <laughs> and then I tried it out, and Pokemon was like, the tutorial, they're like, okay, all moves give you a different colored aura. Red moves are attacks, blue moves are blocks, green moves are grabs, and they are rock, paper, scissors. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's really simple. So at any point, I just have to guess if my opponent, you know, which of the three my opponent's going to use and then do the thing that counters it. And then I yeah. told my friend about this and he's like, you understand. That's what a fighting game is. Like, yeah. this is a transferable well, skill that you can use. And now I am hooked on fighting games to the point that my co-host on this podcast isn't here because she's afraid I'll talk about fighting games too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I actually grew up in the arcade. The first games I ever played were, I think it was like Street Fighter. And that was, I would go to the beach with my parents growing up and we'd always wait to get food and I would just run off and play games. 
But yeah, it's interesting too that they did that because I mean, Pokemon is so strategic and the way that you play Pokemon is based off of, it's, it's strategy in the same aspect almost. So it's cool to see that they kind of brought that together. Yeah, did, did you see the Pokemon Mobile? I know this is bringing us too far into the future, but... Just... <laughs> no, I did not. I, I think I may, I may have seen pictures of it. It has like a big Pikachu on it, right? I think so, right. yeah. But instead of doing the whole like towers, instead it's capture points. And ah. that's, that's freaking genius. And I'm just like, yeah, no, this... Oh, wait, did you say Pokemon mobile game? Or like did you mean mobile. like mobile? Like mobile, like League of Legends, Dota type. Oh, MOBA. Okay, sorry. I thought you meant, like, truck. I thought you meant, like, the Pikachu, like, the, because there's... Okay, that went off the rails a little bit. <laughs> no, but now I'm interested in this giant Pikachu truck. That's... Uh, right? Yeah, no, that's a thing. Yeah, now I'm interested in the P in the Pokemon MOBA. Yeah, no, I haven't even heard about that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm just See, like... the world is... This is how we know the world is getting to a good place. He's... There's so many things you can do in relation to Pokemon. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, Pokemon Go was pretty great as well. Like, it got me to go outside. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny to me because my parents are very old school. They're very conservative. <laughs> For my parents, I mean, I did. I worked with a lot of really cool people over the course of my career, but it wasn't until I was like... 10 years in and I got a job working for Larry King doing like a hosting a gaming collector's show <laughs> that my parents were like wow Ali you really made it <laughs> but for me like making it like straight up making it was being on the national news for Pokemon Go they, they had me on the news <laughs> to like explain it to people and I was like oh my god like holy crap like I did it <laughs> you know like but it's just like so funny how like different People have like different perceptions of what like making it is. <laughs> yeah, I think for uh, in my case, I was interviewed by one of the local radio stations here, like as an expert to talk about esports. Yes, I love that for you. <laughs> and it was it was one of the weirdest things ever because mm -hmm. I think at that point I was doing it pro bono for another site I was working at. I think that was the time when my parents realized like, oh no, this is like. This isn't like one of those fleeting hobby things. Like this is a thing. This that... is like for real, real. This is not for play, play. <laughs> like yeah, no. The your games name... are for play, play, but this is not for play, play. Your name is your name is attached to something now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, it's interesting that you said the pro bono stuff because I mean, honestly, to get your foot in the door in this industry, I mean, it's the same thing with G four. Like that internship, like I had to work at GameStop to make that happen, but. All of those opportunities like made me who I am today, and if anything, helped me get my foot in the door. Like you gotta, you gotta start small, and like it's not always easy in the beginning. Like you're gonna be kind of overextending yourself, and just do as much as you can. But like I look back on those experiences, and I'm like so grateful for them. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> okay, was would you say? Could you pinpoint your entire career to like any one game? Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can tell you that a few games definitely really influenced me. Bioshock was one of the games. Bioshock and probably like Mass Effect both moved me to tears. And I was just like, holy crap. Like I, this, I, all I know is that I've been studying art for like 
three or four years now. And like, this is an art form. Like, screw, I mean, Roger Ebert is dead now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but he was saying that video games were art. And I was just like, no, this is an art form. Like, you just, this, this is just clearly something that you do not understand. But yeah, I mean, it's funny how like art is subjective and, and we all have different kind of opinions and perceptions of like what we deem to be art, but that's all based off of like our own personal experiences in life. And playing through Bioshock was such a, such a crazy moment for me because I was like, this is like, this is truly an art form. This is like taking theater and art and like this medium where I can actually make the decisions and it's putting it all together. Like, this is so cool. Like I want to, I, of course I, I want to spend my life like talking about this stuff. Like I want to get invested in this, you know? And, and that was like kind of a turning point for me of being like, okay, like how do I do this? You know? And like, I think earlier or later that year, the frag dolls had announced their like cadet program, which was getting my foot in the door and, and being able to go to events and, travel to PAX East and PAX Prime out in Seattle. And I mean, that was such a huge experience for me too. Like I always felt alone most of my life and I dealt with kind of like a lot of bullying growing up. So going to my first gaming convention, I found so many like-minded people that were just like me. I was like, these are my people, you know? And that was just mind blowing when I had lived like such a kind of a sheltered life. But yeah, that was that was kind of it for me. I was like, what what could I possibly what more could I possibly want out of life? <laughs> Definitely. Um, the reason I brought I bring that up is even though it's not my uh, not my favorite game, far from it actually. I I can pinpoint a lot of the moves in my life to mm -hmm. one game. Yeah. It is Which Detroit one is it for you? Become human. <laughs> Oh, nice! Yeah, that game was cool and really innovative. This, this this conversation went a completely different way. I was gonna say I I was not a fan of the game. So. Oh, you didn't? I mean, like it's, it's I mean this weird place where mechanically it's a good game, but I also do not mm -hmm. like David Cage. Yeah. So that's my fair. <laughs> the first event that I covered was PlayStation <laughs> had the Southeast Asian PlayStation Experience. Cool. And so they had like an hour for just press exclusivity, like public couldn't come in for one hour while the press got to try everything out. I remember seeing like Detroit Become Human there and my camera's not on so you, you've you never seen, I don't think you you know, but I usually wear like a blazer, a shirt and a bow tie. Because... Oh, that's awesome, because bow ties are cool. Exactly. And so <laughs> here I Bobby am like in the house. one of the, <laughs> one of the, like probably the best dressed game journalists in like a country mile <laughs> and i'm playing that. detroit become human and i'm clearly not enjoying it like i've got this <laughs> but the sony people are there taking photos like for their press kits and stuff yeah and so they snap a photo of me and it's on facebook like as part of their like official photos for the event <laughs> And uh, oh my god! The the site I was writing for before that—that's how like we all tried out the demo separately, and we all yeah. met up for coffee after that, and we were all just like, "So Detroit's rough," and so <laughs> and we we really bonded over that, and like that started like every upwards trajectory started from me play me not enjoying Detroit the first time I played. It. <laughs> that's so cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I only played like the first level. I think I just played the demo for it. I, I don't I don't typically go for those kinds of games because yeah because they... I put Sorry? yeah I put too much pressure on myself <laughs> like because there's so many different kinds of endings and like I'm already a completionist so it's like why would I put myself through that of like playing it over and over again and if it's just I don't know it would stress me out to say the least <laughs> yeah me mechanically that game is great like I think. That type cool of concept game. too. Like I think I think they had their head was in the right spot for it, but I don't know. I I wasn't compelled to continue playing. So uh, the the first level is actually I'm not surprised anyone who played the demo thinks that game is good because that is a good demo for the game. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is everything that comes after that. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So I mean that makes sense. Good marketing move on their part. So I mean. So yeah, give credit oh. where credits due. <laughs> yeah, real recognizes real, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, for sure. I did have a really cool moment for me that was at PAX, my first PAX Prime, I think. Keith Apicary, I don't know if you know who that is. He did like a comedy, like improv video of like him being like a super nerd at video game conventions, and like he asked me to be in one of his videos. And that was kind of my first moment of being like, oh man, like, I feel so cool. I mean, I'm sure he just saw me like literally working the line for like Assassin's Creed or something. It was like, hot chick likes video games. Cool. Let's, we're gonna, yeah. But like for me, like, I was just like, dude, a guy who makes comedy videos wanted me to be in his video. We're doing this, you know? Like, and that was like, that was actually kind of, almost similar to like your moment i feel like of being like oh crap like it's all happening <laughs> you know and I, I ended up working for rooster teeth shortly after that so yeah yeah after yeah. after you like wandered into an achievement hunter video right that's like like we discussed earlier. <laughs> that is so not what happened but yeah <laughs> uh, for anyone in the audience where i i am kidding course, not... <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i know <laughs> Also, I did want to kind of like just bring this up before before we end the show. You mentioned B Bioshock being like, you know, it's for its time it was like, that was really, really clever the things Bioshock does, right? Yeah, and honestly, after talking with Ken Levine about it, like, I didn't know, like, his story is so interesting to me because he's so inspiring. Like, he actually was trying to get into theater. He was trying to become a screenwriter. And he had pitched this play essentially to several different people and they had all turned him down and it wasn't until he adapted into a video game and kind of changed the game itself by doing so that he hit massive success like he was literally about to throw in the towel when he made Bioshock you know so so crazy to me <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was gonna I was gonna make you a recommendation actually because I don't know if you've played Nier Automata <laughs> oh I've seen some of it it looks really cool but I have not played it yet uh, yeah. Please yeah. recommend I, away. <laughs> yeah, no, because like it does a more modern version of what by of like I'm talking around spoilers here because there are a lot of children in the audience who might not have played Bioshock or Near Automata. Yeah, but you that's know fair. the the thing in Bioshock that only works as a video game. Mm -hmm. Near Automata does it on like a whole other level. That's and it's Ooh. really really cool. I like that. I like surprises. I like I like a twist. I like a good twist. <laughs> that sounds awesome. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of those things where like anyone who's within like melee range of me will have to hear on、uh, will have to hear about how great Nier Automata is. Yeah, isn't that how gamers just are? It's so true. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> If the... you're in my area of effect, you better believe I'm going to be talking with you about Pokemon for the next two hours. <laughs> oh yeah. It, did you hear、uh... the the museums in Japan are having like a Pokemon dinosaur exhibit? What? 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 Are you serious? Yeah,、What? yeah. I, hold on, I will send、oh、my... you a link right. Oh、now. my god. It's like they just took my two favorite things and then made it an exhibit. What? <laughs> That is so cool, <clears throat> dude. One of the first games I ever played was on Sega Game Gear. They had a, a Jurassic、oh, a Park pool, game. Yeah. yeah, Jurassic Park game on Sega Game Gear. And the worst thing about the Sega Game Gear was like, it, if I dropped that thing, eight batteries would just go flying everywhere, and you'd be like.、Eh. Okay, I'm gonna pick my battery. Sorry. It's like a cherry bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like a really good way to like let people know how much of a dork I was because I'd be like picking up my batteries like slowly, like pressing in my glasses. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. Oh, so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, this is awesome. Oh my god. I was telling my boss about it too. I was just like, hey, I want to go to this thing, and he's like, one, I'm gonna be real with you. I don't think it's gonna be safe for you to leave the country by the time this thing starts. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It, no. It, it runs until summer next year. He was like, and he goes, Juan, I'm gonna be real with you. I don't think it's gonna be safe by summer next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What? And I'm like, you gotta let me dream. <laughs> <laughs> Why you gotta crush my hopes and dreams like that? <laughs> Oh man, dude, this looks so cool! Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to travel real bad. It's always been my dream to go to Tokyo Game Show. It's like low key, like not so low key, my dream to host Tokyo Game Show. But hey, that's just big life.、Uh, how, how's the、um, Japanese going? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need to visit Japan first. But like, yeah, going to Tokyo is like literally on my bucket list. I have a friend who's been there a bunch of times, and he's he always comes back and like he shows me pictures. There's this like of this like Mario like inspired video game bar, and I'm like, shut up, dude! I want to go there so bad. Are you fucking serious? So I have like I have like a long list of like just things that I want to like check out. But yeah, <laughs> this looks so cool. Maybe I can make that happen. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll. And on, I, I mean, I I'm broke as hell, so I mean, let's be real. <laughs> I'd have to really make some serious moves <laughs> before then. Listen, all we all need to find our rich Saudi uncle. <laughs> <laughs> be the rich Saudi uncle you want to see in the world. Is that the quote? I think that's the quote. That should be the quote. <laughs> And on that note, I think we can call it an episode here.、Thank、hell yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This is—it was really fun pretending to be what was it ten years ago, again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good old days of gaming, the wild, wild west, if you will. <laughs> the days where we weren't, you know, living through a world-changing event. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's、that's... just surviving right now. Props to you, honestly. Round of applause. Props to you, y'all. Y'all are amazing. <laughs> Seriously. Except, except you. 
Tim. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we, we trusted you, man. <laughs> How could you do this? <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Dali, for coming on the show. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. Thank you again for having me. This has been very fun. <laughs> right? And as always, I just I started this podcast on so introducing myself. I have been one from Game of Braves. And don't forget to leave a comment. We do a whole thing where we read comments at the end of videos now. So even if it doesn't make it on the next podcast, it'll probably get put into the next video. And pretty much just, you know, hit me with your best shot, essentially. <laughs> <Ba-na, da-na. laughs> we- hit me sauce- with your best shot. <laughs> weak sauce comments are very boring to respond to. So either say something very nice or very mean, which whichever one works. <laughs> Woof, you might be uh, opening the floodgates with that one. <laughs> Dude, I, I should show you some of the comments I, I sift through at work. Anyway, this has been The Brave Room. Uh, see you guys. <laughs>